Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Jackson. And with me today is Miss Haley Woods. Haley, welcome back. Thanks. It's always good to have you here. Yeah. It is, um, you know, we've had the past few weeks, we've had some special guests, but they, it's their first time. Or was, it's kind of, uh, you know, Josh has been out and uh, Daniel's gone. Yeah. So it's good to have a familiar voice and face. So yeah. So glad you're here. Glad you're here with us today because it was a great week of reading. If you are reading through the Bible with us, we finished out the book of Isaiah. It literally takes a month to get through Isaiah. And this past week we finished up and uh, and it is, uh, we talked about, we've given Isaiah so much praise uh, that I'm not going to do that again. But it does have some solid passages as we close out that uh, that week. Uh, the um, But then we go into... Um, the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. It is a tough book to get through because there is so little good or upbeat. It's, it is not upbeat uh, because he is, you just think, man, I don't want to be Jeremiah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you get Job. It must be the, well, if you think about people whose names start with J, rough road. Uh, You got, Job, Jeremiah, Jesus, Judas, Judas, John the Baptist gets beheaded. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would do a character study on that. Joseph gets put in slavery uh, by his brothers. Um, yeah, Jacob huh. uh, has his issues. Whatever. I don't know. If Jacob, maybe you can make a case there. But they changed his name to Israel. Maybe that's what saved him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so. we'll have to look at that. Uh, Jedediah, Jephthah. Okay. <laughs> There are lots of J names, but yeah. uh, anyway, so, but Jeremiah, uh, we start with there. We're in Psalm 115 and 116, uh, and uh, Proverbs, we're kind of dragging through Proverbs because we have to get it to the end of the year, and there's only 31 chapters. Uh, so just little nuggets from Proverbs that we get, little pieces of wisdom. We may or may not share any of those with you today. And uh, But Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 5, chapter 6, very, very great chapters in Ephesians. And then into the book of Philippians, which is really Paul's love letter to the church. So some great passages of scriptures in in Philippians that uh, that we read through this week. So maybe we'll draw something from that. But whatever we don't get the opportunity to share, you have the opportunity to read. So I hope that you'll go to our website at www.fbcj.us. That's fbcj.us, First Baptist Church Jackson, dot us. Uh, and see our reading plan, and uh, you just pick up right where we are. You don't have to go back to the beginning. You start right where we where we, where we is, and uh, and start from there. But we'll be back and share what God revealed through His Word when we return. Welcome back. We are taking a look. Haley Woods is with me today on the Understanding Jesus podcast. And we are taking a look at what stood out to us in the reading from last week as we are reading through God's Word together. Haley, what is it that stood out to you? Um, So I found a few verses in Psalm 116, um, verse 3 and 4. They say, The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Um, That really stood out to me because it reminded me that our first destination is always death. Like that is what we deserve. And that is where we're supposed to go. Um, Cause you hear so many people say that um, like, why would God send good people to hell or yeah. why would 
bad things happen to good people. And it's like, well, that's our default. Like we're born with such a sinful nature that that's where we're supposed to go. And then Christ offers that way out. Um, And so even then, like that doesn't, it points even more to our destruction that Christ was the one that had to give us that way out. Um, It's not by anything that we did. Um, And so even then it points all the more to his goodness and his glory um, because we're just so naturally sinful. Um, And so I think um, just even from those verses, we can find Jesus in those verses, even though that hadn't, that message of salvation hadn't been revealed yet completely like we have it now. Um, that Christ was our way to life. Um, but it was just a really good reminder of the gospel um, that we had no way out of our sinful nature and destruction um, in relationships and um, our jobs and just like all the brokenness that we see in the world, that Christ was our only way out of that. Um, so even in just those few verses, you can find the simple message of the gospel in it. Hmm. Man, that's, that's, that is great insight. That is, um, it is exactly... Um, exactly the case that we are born into sin i think that i think the idea of original sin people struggle with it mm-hmm. um because they think because you look at a two-year-old and you think what has that two-year-old done right. and so forth even though you can obviously see the evil in a two-year-old <laughs> uh but the uh the reality is is that we are culpable for the things that we do and the and we there is this um, the the concept of guilt that the Bible gives us is this: I am aware that this is when I become aware that the things I have done are in opposition to what God has asked. Um, and I, I think it, we're always talking. In theory, I don't, you know, you ask anybody, everybody knows they've done something wrong, but mm-hmm. I think they're thinking in theory, I, I shouldn't be punished for just something I was born into. Right. You know? But uh, but the truth is is that we are. The, the nature the, the fallen nature of man is that we are all uh, because of because we we are our Adam and Eve sinned and then everybody after them carries on this nature of sin that I am predisposed to sin and I can't mm-hmm. do anything about that God knows I can't do anything about it and it's not like he's punishing me for something that I that I don't have any control over it it's like it's like you know it's like you you get cancer and God's trying to cure your cancer you know he's like saying I'm I, you have this I see that you have it and I'm trying to take it away from you mm-hmm. uh, so he's offering a plan of redemption and yet people flip that around and say well he shouldn't allow me to have it in the first place right. it's like well that was a choice that was made and granted you didn't make the choice but isn't that the truth about so much? Yeah. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose, you know, so many factors in life. I didn't choose those things. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm affected by them. Right. You know? And so you see that in the natural order. You see that we're, there's just things we don't have control over. But yet, mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, good good word. Good word. I'm uh, looking at something from Isaiah chapter 59. And it's uh, verses 20 and 21. And it says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is the Lord's declaration. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord. Um, I think it's remarkable that the faith that I possess today was passed down to be by my father and from my father's father. 
uh, and now I have passed that faith onto my children and and to my children's children. There's there's really is nothing more important than bringing people into the presence of Christ and praying that he will establish his covenant in their hearts. Uh, you know, we know that Jesus is the only hope for eternal life. We know that it's not religion or zeal or good works. It is a personal relationship with Christ where we have turned from transgression and and said we want to be saved. And he then gives us his Holy Spirit, enabling us to be saved. And that message has to be communicated. Uh, it is, uh, you know, somebody said, well, what about a Gideon Bible? Somebody gets saved with the Gideon Bible. Well, somebody had to put that message there. The, the word was printed and then put in a hotel room and put in that drawer. That is still communicating God's message uh, to another person. Uh, but but we, we are always to be active about, I mean, you can leave Bibles in your kids' rooms if you think that was the best approach, <laughs> but probably a better approach is actually just having conversations with your children about the gospel and so forth. And, and you know, when you're a follower of Christ, you always recognizing somebody shared this with me. This came to me through somebody's effort of taking what had been shared with them and sharing it with me. And it's to, the, I think, the most selfish thing, that I, I, and I don't even understand how a person can be a follower of Christ and do this. Uh, can you really be a follower of Christ if you take what God has given to you and you don't share it with someone else? I think one of the things that shows us that we are a follower of Christ is we do take that which has been shared with us and share it and pass it on to someone. Right. Uh, and hopefully many people. Uh, but uh, but that is that is the nature of how God has gotten his word uh, through from generation to generation. And uh, and I don't think that if my dad had not shared the gospel with me, that I, somebody wouldn't have shared with me, but he would have been robbed of that opportunity. He would have been robbed of the opportunity to be. It was actually my mother, so I'm going to be, in all fairness, it was my mother who shared the gospel with me. And and uh, but my father, my father's faith was uh, was part of my discipleship process. My mom actually communicating the gospel to us. So my parents together uh, and being used by God to communicate God's word to me uh and and that is how we will continue this process on until he returns so really all we have to focus on is this generation we're we're just trying to get what we've been given and pass it on to another generation and you know that's why i get frustrated with the church because we get caught up in music styles or furniture or buildings or you know and, and it's like they all serve a purpose and that purpose is how do we take what we've been given and pass it on to a future generation? I, I'm not looking for the perfect temple to worship in because I'm going to have that for all eternity, you mm-hmm. know, and doesn't even yeah. involve a building. So my worship of Christ, I, I get to sing to him forever, but I don't have forever to communicate, to pass mm-hmm. on the knowledge of Christ to a world that does not know Christ. This is the only moment I have to do that. And so it should always be uh, I'm out there doing that. And then when I need to be refueled or I need equipping or I need empowerment, I come back to the body of Christ and say, okay, okay, I need, I need to understand this better. I need more understanding. But, and I think that was one of the benefits I have is that in ministry, uh, I left to go out and do this, to conquer the world for Christ. You know? And so when I went out and did it, I realized, oh, my goodness, I don't know how to do this. And I don't, I don't know how to do this effectively or I don't know this about the Bible and so forth. But that drew me back in to get trained and educated for the purpose of going back out. But uh, one of the things we discovered, and we try to do that all over the world, we try to go into areas and so forth and say, hey, we're going to train you 
uh, say I go to a village in Africa and I'm and I meet these people and share the gospel with them, somebody gets saved, and we say, hey, you need to be trained to share the gospel so that I can leave and go to another village, but you can continue to reach people in your village for Christ. So we take a person out and we send them to a school in America. And this actually happens all the time. And they come to America and they really like it. And they like hanging out here. They like the restaurants. They like the movies. They like all these mm-hmm. different things. And so they just forget about their village. <laughs> and they just start living life here. And you're like, well, the whole reason we brought you here was to train you and equip you to go back. Mm-hmm. But that really is, that happens in church all the time. People go to church and it's like, you're here to be trained and equipped to go out there and share the gospel. But they like it so much here. Mm-hmm. They, they just become like, oh no, this is, I like getting together with my friends and we mm-hmm. sing and we talk together and we talk about the Bible and all the neat things about it and everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's for the purpose of you taking that right. and sharing it with other people and making disciples. Uh, and uh, and we lose sight of our, our mission. So wow. anyway, yeah. Anything else? Wow. You got something else? I don't think so. That was a really good point. Oh, well, well, thanks, Haley. You're welcome. <laughs> we stood on that for a while. Well, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> well, we're going to come back and we're going to deal with some questions that uh, that we have uh, that uh, that are Daniel, who uh, is no longer with us, <laughs> is still sending us questions. So we're going to answer some of those, and Haley has some too. So we'll we'll be right with some questions when we come back. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We are here, I'm here, Pastor Troy, with uh, Haley Woods, who has joined us before on previous podcasts. You can go back and listen to those previous podcasts. I don't I don't know that we put in the title Haley is in Some this podcast. Of them are. Are they, is this your name? Mm-hmm. Oh. Some of uh, them do. There you go. So there you go. So, so scroll for that and compare whether this is her best podcast ever <laughs> or she did better on previous ones, but we'll let you make those decisions. But um, uh, Haley, we got a couple of questions that we uh, have from our most uh, one of our faithful uh, listeners, uh, Daniel Mawson, <laughs> <laughs> from the St. Louis area uh, now. But, uh, but Haley, we'll start with your question. Okay. Uh, my question comes from Philippians 115, which says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So my question is, what does it look like for someone to preach Christ from envy? And mm. then building off of that, does preaching Christ with the wrong intentions affect the message of the gospel itself? Okay. Uh, well, let's just go back and let me read a little bit more of that. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit. Uh, So I I think that answers the second part of your question uh, that Paul is saying doesn't matter even if there are bad motives that uh, that in God's sovereignty, he takes Paul's imprisonment, he takes bad intentions and so forth. Mm -hmm. But as long as the gospel is proclaimed, 
and maintaining its integrity uh, that it uh, that God uses it to uh, that God brings glory to himself through it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's the content of the gospel that is done, even though motives are bad. Um, the difference, if you want to contrast that with what Paul speaks in Galatians, where he comes down on the, the foolish Galatians, um, there they have compromised the gospel. They are, they're speaking a gospel other than the true gospel. So uh, even if they aren't doing it from envy or, or, or the things here, uh, that Paul draws a curse on him. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to him, let him be accursed. It's what he says in Galatians 1.8. So that is, that's the bad. That's, it's when you change the gospel. Mm-hmm. But in Philippians here, I think he's just pointing out that, that motives, he gets it that some people's motives are wrong. Uh, but, uh, and it's kind of like Jesus makes the same kind of reference when he's saying that some people are uh, preaching, his disciples come to him and say, hey, there's some people out there who are preaching in your name, should we do something about it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, if they're for me, they're not against me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm just glad anybody who's proclaiming my name and out there speaking who it is, as long as they are speaking the truth about who he is and maintaining the integrity of the gospel. Um, the um, There's a group that we have called Together for the Gospel, and that's one of the reasons to get together every two years. And... Uh, and they and they come together trying to uh, and they come from all different backgrounds and so forth to try to maintain the integrity of the gospel because that's that's the imperative we want to make sure that God's message is untainted and not changed or altered um, but yeah it's it's a given that some people are going to do it with bad motives and and, and you see this you have preachers who are uh, you got people who are lost who are proclaiming the gospel yeah. and so God can use the message of the gospel to change and transform lives I I've known pastors who at some point became convicted that they really weren't saved. And then people were like, well, were all the people who got saved under his ministry before he became a Christian, were they, are they really yeah. saved? And it's like, yes, because you aren't saved by his being saved. Right. You're saved by the message and the intent of the gospel. Yeah. So I, I, if you think of it like this, if a person is distributing Bibles for selfish gain, mm-hmm. as long as it's actually the Bible that he's distributing, yeah. it still is beneficial. Yeah. So... Uh, we had another question. Did you have another? Is it, are you good? Yeah. I think okay. It's good. good. <laughs> All right. Hey, we had another question about uh, from Isaiah, and uh, that passage is from Isaiah chapter uh, 14. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 14, it talks about the downfall of the king of Babylon. And uh, within uh, this passage, uh, it is um, uh, especially verses 4 through 15. Uh, it, it says how the oppressor is quieted down and how the raging has been quiet. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. Uh, I'm skimming through things here. He says, you said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will send above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest uh, regions of, of the pit. Uh, and uh, and uh, this passage as a whole is attributed uh, to uh, Satan many times, as if as if it's a it's both a testimony of the king of Babylon, uh, but also to uh, to the, uh, Satan himself. And one of the reasons is is because um, we're told we see elsewhere in the Bible that there is a in all rulers, there is a principality, a power who is behind that ruler. 
uh, and the king of Babylon is a good example. Uh, the prince, uh, the the prince of Persia is another one uh, that there is a uh, that you have uh, Daniel in in Daniel, and then uh, clearly in the book of Revelation, uh, and then Paul talks about you know how there are these principalities and powers and so forth. Uh, there are there are demonic powers and Satan himself who are underneath the rulers that are there, and that and that's one of the things to always remember. If you uh, and you see this played out when you have a, a ruler, a person, Paul says we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're battling against principalities and powers and these forces of darkness, it, which means that if you take out that head of state who's this evil, evil person and you remove them, uh, you have not removed the evil that exists in that place. Because if you kill the human being in that place or that human being dies, there's still a spiritual evil that still is there. And we'll just simply use another pawn to carry out their bidding. Mm-hmm. And so the king of Babylon, though he is uh, evil in so many respects, is simply undergirded by a demonic power uh, who is uh, swaying him to carry out his bidding. So if uh, the king of Babylon falls, then there's just another king of Babylon that comes up. And and that's what you have in all these powers. So, I mean, make no mistake that all... All the powers that be in our world today, if they are not transformed by Christ, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then they are subject to be ruled by demonic forces and uh, and principalities and powers. And so if you vote them out, if you have them replaced, if they're assassinated, doesn't matter. Satan will just raise somebody up to accomplish that purpose, that mission in the same way. Uh, and so, so, so in a way, Satan is the one who's behind this. And so, the, what you're hearing in the physical realm about this is actually also what is taking place in the in the spiritual realm. But the message is the same. God is saying the power that is behind this, the power, this evil power that rises up against him, that God is going to judge that evil power and that he is going to uh, pour out his wrath upon that evil power and cast them into everlasting darkness. He will cast them into the pit. And and the revelation then kind of clarifies for it, which is why it's called revelation, the unveiling, uh, and makes things known to us. What is, what's going to happen is, is the ruler of all darkness uh, Satan himself is going to be cast into the pit, and anyone who followed him, anyone who was uh, made themselves available to his use, uh, is going to also be punished in the same way. And that is all of us. All of us are really followers of Satan until we are rescued from that, set free from that, and then brought into the kingdom of God and so forth. So, But when we, when you hear the word Lucifer used in Old Testament prophecy, I do want to clarify, there's no connection in the Bible to say Lucifer is Satan. There never draws that connection. We make that connection uh, because it does the the person of Lucifer who's described does have characteristics that we do attribute to Satan, but we make that leap. It never tell. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the devil's name is Lucifer or Satan's name is Lucifer. It doesn't make that clear for us. We draw that connection. It may or may not be true, uh, but it's not a name that the Bible gives us for Satan. Uh, but uh, but there are similarities uh, that are there, and so we. We so we a lot of the things a lot of the theology uh, that we have in characteristics come to us from what I would call extra biblical writings and so forth that uh, say things about it. They're not authoritative, so you can't say absolutely this is the case. 
but uh, it does seep its way into Christian tradition. Uh, and so it's, and it's been there for so long and in so many writings, and we become so familiar with it uh, that we just all accept it as though it, what it is. That's why it's, it's important for you to actually read the Bible and see what it says, and, and then you know, oh, wait, that's not actually clearly said in Scripture. I don't think there's any of those things that are of any real consequence I mean, as to whether, um, you know, when you're talking about Satan and so forth and, and the things that are describing Lucifer and so forth, or, or in this passage of the king of Babylon, uh, I mean, all all you need to know and understand is there's no power on earth that stands against God that will stand. There's no power in the spiritual realm that stands against God that will stand, that God will triumph ultimately over all. That's the message that we need to know. And uh, and there was one more question uh, from our friend Daniel in the St. Louis area uh, that he said, uh, basically, the question was, is that if there are passages in Isaiah that are not fulfilled in real time uh, and has still not been fulfilled, uh, how can Isaiah be claimed to be a an actual true prophet? Uh, and, uh, and and I think that's the, you know, because if you if you prefer. If you prophesy something and it doesn't come to fruition, then obviously uh, that you are a false prophet. Uh, Isaiah, I, I'm not going to say he gets a pass, but I will say this. Isaiah has so many things that he prophesied and that came to fruition. Wow, it's clear that he is a prophet of God, so much of that. So the things that have not yet been fulfilled, we just believe those things will will be fulfilled. And uh, and still and so there there's a lot of things in Isaiah that that have uh, that were fulfilled in the in the immediate that will also be fulfilled in the future. But there are some things that that weren't fulfilled in the immediate, or at least we we don't see them fulfilled in the immediate, um, that we believe will be fulfilled ultimately. And uh, and I do believe that that all the things that Isaiah uh, prophesies will come uh, to uh, fruition uh, at some point in uh, the future. And, uh, and and one of those things is about Egypt and, and the gospel coming to Egypt and so forth. Uh, for one thing, it has been fulfilled uh, in that Egypt was a Christian nation uh, for some period of time. Uh, people forget that, that North Africa actually was a strong Christian region, um, but the rise of Islam uh, changed all that. But uh, there's still, I know when we pray for Egypt and, and pray for regions in North Africa, we still believe that ultimately that God still loves Egypt and still wants to see those people redeemed. So um, so is that ultimately going to be fulfilled? Well, we still, it remains to be seen whether that was fulfilled in the early part of the church or or is going to come around again and express fulfillment. But, um, but uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see anything in Isaiah that either, uh, either it has been fulfilled or it still has the potential to be fulfilled. And, and I think he's established pretty solidly as a prophet from the things he's already shown. So, well, thank you, Haley. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you everyone for being uh, listening to the podcast today. It's been great, and uh, look forward to joining you again uh, next week on Understanding Jesus. 